Hey everybody, welcome to Land O Lakers Live. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky coming to you after game three of the NBA Finals. The Lakers drop a very, very frustrating game, 115 to 104, the final score. Lakers, of course, still lead the series two games to one, still uh, in, in pretty good shape, I would say, overall. But uh, no Bam Adebayo for the second straight game. No uh, Goran Dragic for the second straight game, Andy. It was, a, it was a game that I think most people expected the Lakers to win. Certainly won from a talent standpoint. The opportunity to win, and they didn't. And so that is going to upset a lot of people, and I don't blame them. Um, you know, the long – just because – you let a team win, you know, they, they get back into it and anything can happen. You know, it's well, just, anything I, can happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, you could actually wonder, and we'll talk about this, whether or not some of the people that expected the Lakers to win this game included the Lakers, um, the, well, way, they sure actually, the way they were actually Absolutely. playing in this game. Um, also, too, all the people listening to this podcast who expected the Lakers to win and obviously are upset by this, a very good way to uh, deal with those feelings is to eat them. And the way mm -hmm. I would recommend eating those feelings is to go over to Delicious Pizza, two locations, uh, West Adams area and also Hollywood, and great pizza, great food. You are supporting local business. You are supporting a local business of a massive Laker fan in LA. And if you use the password Cam Brothers, you get 20% off that order. So I advise everybody to just eat your feelings, eat your disappointment, over the Lakers in this game. That is my non-medical but yummy recommendation for everybody. <laughs> so there you have it. Very good. Um, so, yeah, all right. Everything about this game was just off-kilter from the beginning. I don't think there's any question about that. The Lakers were out of rhythm at the beginning. It started very much, I thought, Andy, very, very similarly to game two. Um, where the Lakers were outscored early by the Heat. They were sloppy. They turned the ball over. Uh, I think maybe they thought that was a blueprint. Like, hey, it worked in game two. Let's, we'll, we'll do that. We'll come back. Everything will be great. Um, ten turnovers, I think it was, in the first quarter. Ten turnovers in the first quarter. Five in less than the first five minutes. Which is almost like they're trying to set a record. Like, LeBron particularly was very sloppy, which he, he took on himself after the game. Uh, but after... You know, the game two where he had more touches, more uh, points, more assists and all that in a game without a turnover than like anybody ever. He went and and was just the opposite tonight. And so, you know, he was off foul trouble for AD. And, and I think that was the biggest difference is like they weren't because Davis was so good in game two. They were able to overcome tonight. He was barely able to stay on the floor in the first half. And then you add in off nights again for Contavious Caldwell Pope and for uh, Danny Green shooting the ball. And it just wasn't, it was too much for the, for the Lakers to come through, especially given how well Jimmy Butler played. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about it with, with the 10 turnovers in the first quarter and the Lakers gave up 11 points off those 10 turnovers. They ended up finishing the quarter down only three, which felt, you know, damn near miraculous when you take into account the way they were playing. And in the moment, it felt like, Okay, they, they were sloppy, but they're starting to regain control of this game, and they're eventually going to be okay. And they're, you know, we we'd seen them get behind early in games throughout this series. We've seen it actually a few times throughout these playoffs. 
and the Lakers eventually I mean, tonight, got control. They, they took the lead tonight in the second half. Sure, but I but I'm just saying in terms of uh, the beginning of it. But you still have to account for with ten turnovers. That's ten empty possessions, and then when you combine the eleven points that the that the Heat scored off those ten possessions, if say the Lakers score on just a third of those ten empty possessions, you're talking about a swing that could be anywhere from like sixteen to twenty points. Oh yeah, like it that's just, huge. It was, it was terrible, and and you know, you can't. You just you can't have situations like that. I mean, like they almost they they almost were able to like a a six or seven minute stretch somewhere in the second half where they play really well, where they where they reach that sort of top gear, top end that they've shown themselves capable of over the course of this playoffs, even on nights where they're not playing particularly well. Six or seven minutes of that, and they would have won the game. Um, as poorly as they played and as poorly as they executed. I had the same thought as you did when they were at the end of the first quarter. Like it, it, Miami's got to be thinking, holy shit, what went wrong here? We hit seven of our first eight shots. The Lakers turned the ball over 10 times. They, they 80s in foul trouble. Like all this. And how are we only up three? Like this cannot possibly be a good development for us. Like I, I, I and so if they were thinking it and I was thinking it, I'm sure the Lakers were like, all right, well, it's not going to get any worse than that. And, probably thought rightly that they'd, they'd put it together and win the game. But to their credit, Miami did just a bunch of great stuff tonight uh, to make to keep L.A. off balance, I, I thought, all night. Yeah, um, and I, I tweeted out during the game at Cam Brothers, and I guess I'm paraphrasing myself just because I, I don't have it right in front of me, but Miami was – Jimmy Butler during this game, and Jimmy Butler was phenomenal. I mean, yeah, just we'll talk about that. he was – like historically great in this game when, when you get into the numbers that he put up and, and in s particular the way he put up these numbers. But I, I tweeted out that Jimmy Butler is playing like a guy that knows he has to put his team on his back in order to win this game. And the Lakers are playing like a team that know that Jimmy Butler has to put his team on his back in order to win. Yeah, and, and I, saw, and I saw that tweet and I was like, I, and I think actually what they were thinking is, it doesn't matter if Jimmy Butler puts their team on their back. Like that's got to happen, but it it shouldn't matter. And tonight it did. Yeah, I mean, he they. I also thought too. And I mean, I guess maybe we can just get into the Jimmy Butler of it right yeah, now. Let's just do I, it. Yeah, I thought that they didn't do as good of a job containing him. Not not just you know, obviously they didn't defend him well in the in the way that uh, he he went off in this game. Um, Forty. He had. Let's get right to it. 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists, two blocks, two steals, 14 of 20 from the field, 12 of 14 at the line. And, you know, he, he really just took this game over. But I didn't think that the Lakers did a great job defending him. Like, I, I was noticing this, and then I saw Seth Partnow from The Athletic, who, you know, is a much better X's and O's guy. <laughs> we got the confirmation from people who are smarter than us. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, I, there's a reason you and I go seek that stuff out because we want confirmation of things that we see from people right. that we know truly understand, you know, the that element of the game better than we're us. Not X's and, we're not X's and O's guys, and we don't right. pretend to be. Right. But I kept noticing and, and that uh, they were – you know, LeBron started this game on Butler, and it was really fun because a lot of this game, the two of them were were really matched on each other for a lot. Yeah, but 
I would notice that um, every time they they'd sw- uh, that there was a switch coming, the Lakers would end up switching out of it and without much resistance. And Seth Partno mm-hmm. tweeted out, "What's the point of LeBron guarding Butler if they're uh, guarding Butler if they were just going to soft switch out of it?" Right, and they ended and, up with a lot of KCP all matched right. up. And, on and, and yeah. that thought actually popped into my mind. But then you know, I'm always wondering, like, okay, is there is is there an element of this that you know, like, what's happening on the backside, anything like that that I'm missing? Because I was wondering that too. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Why are they so? Why are the Lakers so willing to have LeBron, you know, start possessions on Butler but not end on him? Like, if anything, I would want to try to get the reverse of it. Like, you know, if things are really, st- if Butler's either starting to go downhill after a pick and yeah, roll or just, something like that, I'd rather. I'd, and I thought on the other end too. You know, we we spent a lot of time talking about Miami zone, and it obviously gave the Lakers trouble in game two. The ball movement was so crisp, moving it down, finding the center of the floor, and finding ways to attack that zone. And, and I thought tonight, and they made enough shots from the perimeter. KCP and, and Danny Green weren't good from the perimeter in game two, but other guys were. And as a group, they shot in like mid-30s or whatever it was for the game. And so I thought you know, they did a good job, a good enough job shooting the ball, and they shot open shots with confidence. And I thought in game three on Sunday, tonight as the game went along, they lost confidence in that Rondo. It was weird. You don't think of Rondo as like a guy who you want to stand out there and hit three points, three pointers, except that's exactly what he's been doing throughout the playoffs. He's been, you know, shooting with confidence with a strong percentage. And tonight it felt like the Lakers reached a point of frustration with their offense that they had to. And I, it sounds weird to say it because you, you know, nobody wants the Lakers to be standing out there just raining down three pointers. But I felt tonight like they almost forced the ball into the rim. And so they got the kind of the worst of both worlds where they weren't getting good shots at the rim. They were letting open shots on the perimeter go in favor of low-quality shots forcing things inside. And I I, I thought that was most noticeable with Rondo, um, who passed up what, you know, open threes that I think he'd been taking throughout the series and making throughout the series. It just, they were disjointed in every way possible offensively. Yeah. And, and some of that I do think has to do with the foundation that they laid in that first quarter. You know, like we talked about with the turnovers and and Anthony Davis not being there for for them. And, And AD has been as important for them offensively as anybody, if not the most important guy there. I mean, he's been he's been their leading scorer. He's mm-hmm. been an incredibly versatile scorer, and he's also been somebody throughout these playoffs that, when he's going, there's no answer for him. Like I, I think more than anybody in these playoffs, there's been no answer for Anthony Davis when he really is feeling it. So when he's not feeling it, the adverse effect for the Lakers is going to be really pronounced. And and we saw it tonight. And and to their credit, the bench really did their best, I think, to try to make up for uh, AD being off the court or struggling. Uh, Kuzma and Markeith Morris had 19 points each. Caruso had eight points off the bench. You know, they the bench I thought actually by and large did a pretty good job trying to offset that. But you know, only 15 points from Anthony Davis. It's like half of what that of yeah, what you're not, you're come to accustomed from him. No, it's not. And you know the foul trouble. He talked about it after the game. The foul trouble. You know LeBron talked about it. AD talked about it. The 
when you only, I think you only played 15 minutes in the first half, like that, it just, it, it, it takes you out of your rhythm. Uh, Miami though, I thought was very much, very aggressive on how they defended him. Very aggressive in terms of, of, of making LeBron's life difficult. Um, some of those turnovers in the first half were just carelessness on the part of, of, of LeBron, which is weird. Um, but you know, the, the coverages switched and they, you know, they, they, you know, again, watching the, the guys who break down the mode keels and the guys who break down the film over the course of the game, like they, they changed their coverages. They, they sort of pre-switched a lot of things and, and Eric Spolster really emptied the bag. And so before we talked about the series, like one of the things we really got into was like, Eric Spolstra is an advantage for Miami. Um, you know, he's something that, you know, arguably I think the best coach in the NBA. And so you knew he was going to pull some stuff out tonight. You can't leave anything in the bag when you're down 2-0, and he did. The Lakers had trouble adjusting. I think overall they just they played a bad game. It's been so – they've been so infrequent to this point. I mean, what they were they were 12-3 and in the first three rounds. They win their first two. They're 14-3 in the postseason. And, and the games they lost – you know, weren't great, but like you, there have been so few legitimately bad games from the Lakers that you forget they're kind of capable of them. Um, and as every team is, and so it's jarring to watch them play four quarters of bad basketball, which is a testament to how well they've played, but obviously, a, you know, an indictment of what they did on Sunday. But you know what? It's even, it's one thing to play badly, which, which they did. And like you said, and Kuzma actually talked about it after the game, you know, you're not going to be perfect. You know, and as he put it, um, paraphrasing a bit, but not much. Oh no, I, are, I'll look it up. I have the direct quote. I think it's a, it's a great quote, not just about uh, basketball, Andy, but about life. Um, but you know that guys are not going to be perfect, and teams aren't going to be perfect, even if you're an yep. elite team, which by definition you are. If you're in the finals, you have the quote. Everybody fucks up. Everybody makes mistakes. Yes. And like you said, not a not a bad way to look at life as well. That's right. We all fuck up. We all make mistakes. But that being said, what really threw me for a loop wasn't seeing the Lakers fuck up because all great teams do that. You and I covered championship teams. We saw them play badly. The way they played with so little focus in this game, that actually to me was jarring because the Lakers have been so locked in throughout mm -hmm. these entire playoffs, that actually was more surprising okay. to me let than me them just you, not let me playing ask you this well. Because, and I, I'm not, I don't mean you mean this in a, like a complacency kind of way, because I know I, I don't, that's not what you're talking about necessarily. Um, when you play poorly and they were, you look a step behind you and they, they were a step behind everything. I, th I thought what was jarring wasn't so much that they came out and were initially kind of confused by what Miami was doing. We were a step slow in their rotations. They tried some stuff differently. It happened in game two. Where I thought it really stuck out was they've been so good at figuring it out and then finding the thing and and that that allowed them to sustain not just a comeback, but to then pull ahead and to like they couldn't. It looked to me that they were confused that they couldn't figure that out. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense, but I think both things can be true at the same time. That's I mean, true. I, 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 I that's think true. sure. I think they looked surprised that they couldn't figure this stuff out because they're a really smart team. They're a very well coached team, and they're a very talented team. And those three things combined usually lead to figuring out solutions. But they did seem to me to be very unfocused and inattentive. You know, to the details, they they didn't they didn't come out sharp. 
and yes. they didn't come out with the type of energy that they typically have, even when they're not playing well. Like, you know, that we've seen them start games from behind a lot during this series, but not necessarily looking unfocused. This yeah, game to me, I mean, I guess like, what's, the, what's the line between unfocused and confused, unfocused and whatever? Like when either any of those things, complacency, lack of focus, confusion, I mean, it doesn't take much at this level against a good team. And I realize Miami's missing guys, but they're still, you know, a well-coached, well-run or, you know, group. And they're, you know, they're going to do it the right way. Like it doesn't take much to, to fall behind and look, you know, and to be not even look a half step slow to be a half step slow uh, against a, a well a well coached well executing team and Miami you're right the, but the attention to detail for Miami in terms of fixing their game plan and execute way higher than the Lakers I don't think anybody can argue that well I mean they here's the thing about Miami the situation they're in they have no choice but to be incredibly attentive but, you know they don't have any type of margin for error. And, and we even saw that tonight during this game with the Lakers' ability to keep making runs, you know, to keep staying in this game, to briefly regain the lead with them not playing even close to their best. And the Heat having a literally historic performance from Jimmy Butler. I, I know they ultimately ended up winning by double digits and they, you know, they made a big run down right, the stretch the last of the game. Three, two minutes of the game, they pushed it out. Right, to ice it. But but the truth is, though, they they couldn't completely put the Lakers away despite, on balance, outplaying them, and it, and it wasn't close, just because of that talent discrepancy between what the Lakers have right now and what the Heat have right now. Right. Well, it's just, you know, Jimmy Butler, on a night where Butler, and then we can go back to, to Jimmy now, like, he, for Miami to win, he's got to be the best player on the floor. Which means he's got to be better than both AD and LeBron. It's not good. It's not going to be good enough for Miami if he's just better than one of those two. He's got to be better than both. And tonight he was. And I, and I look. I think, you know, as a basketball fan, you know, if Laker fans can kind of look aside from, you know, from their obvious rooting interest, and and I wouldn't expect anything different. But if you can just look at it from a basketball perspective, Jimmy Butler deserves this game because. I, I still think there is very little reason to worry that the Lakers won't win. Like overall, they might even win in five. I certainly don't think it'll take longer than six. Butler deserved a game where he could put his signature on what has been a remarkable playoff run and get some something iconic out of. It's very hard, Andy, to have an iconic moment for an individual player come out of a, a, a lopsided series. You know, like if the Lakers win this in five, doesn't matter how well Jimmy Butler plays in in most years, the best player on the losing team in most years, if your team loses in five, this game, this game three will become an iconic thing in the Jimmy Butler catalog or whatever. You know what it's, you know what it's, it's gonna, gonna be like it. It, it's going to be like, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure this was. I think this was 2008. Um, there was the game that LeBron had against the Celtics in, uh, I want to say, the Eastern Conference Finals. He he had this one just monster game where the Cavs lost, but LeBron was just incredible, mm -hmm. like just absolutely incredible and just didn't have enough around him at the end of the day. 
Um, or, you know, I think it may have been against um, – I think it might have actually been against Detroit. Um, it's, it's one of the other – I'm trying to find this game right now. Yeah. But LeBron, right. LeBron was just unbelievable. And it's one of those games where while I don't remember the exacts of it, I do remember the actual game because he was just that damn good. Well, LeBron had a series of it. You know, the the one the the one of the the I forget which year because I'm terrible at that, but you know, when Kyrie and and Love are both hurt and LeBron basically yes. drags that team yes. in a, into a competitive series, like people look back at that and as one of LeBron's better moments, which again is really hard to do when you're losing the series. And you know, Butler has been so good throughout the playoffs and for his team to get rolled because the other, you know, Dragic, I don't think is coming back. Adebayo, they're hopeful, can play on Tuesday. But, you know, is he going to be diminished? Is he going to be really as good as Adebayo can be? No, and I also think his presence will probably help lock the Lakers in a little bit more. But what we saw tonight from Butler was just as stunning, just as impressive, just as meaningful as what we've seen in these these big ad games and the big lebron games and i i was you know means we're all working until at least friday um you know of next week but i I, if anybody in this bubble deserved a night like this where you know everybody afterwards could be talking about him and whatever it's it's butler and i don't think there's any question about that no it's been a really amazing year for him it's been an amazing playoffs for him and everything about jimmy butler in terms of the narrative leading up to this season with miami and then where we are right now has just been it's been fantastic for his perception i think it's brought a lot of great out of him in not just in terms of his play, but I think in terms of Jimmy Butler, the person, and I, and I know right now there's this narrative that everybody got it all wrong with Jimmy Butler. And, you know, we, we all misjudged him and he was right the whole time. And I'm sure there is some element of truth to him being right about the idea that the bulls and the Timberwolves and the Sixers all had major issues in the way that they were being run or the culture there. Sure, but at the same but, dysfunctional. Right. But at the same time, though, I also think there's an element of Jimmy Butler not truly being ready for this on top of not being in the right place until this year. And like if you listen to a guy like Nick Ferdell from ESPN, you know, our buddy who has covered Jimmy since his rookie year in Chicago. He'll say that Jimmy wasn't always ready to lead like this, like to be the guy. And, you know, for for all of the talk about, you know, Jimmy wanting heat culture and, you know, being a part of a franchise like this, that is, you know, one of the most exceptionally well run, forgetting the NBA, I would and say. Fits, in and sports. fits him well. It really right. does. And it fits, fits him, him well. well and all of that. You know, he, I, I don't think he was quite ready to do all of this stuff. And, you know, I was recently listening to uh, Nick talk about this with uh, Pablo Torre on uh, ESPN's uh, daily podcast. I I don't remember the name of it, but you know, he he said that Jimmy also wanted to be the guy like, you know, that was important to him too. So, I mean, that, that element of being the guy and how you go about being the guy, it's not easy. Right. I mean, you know, we, we watched this with Kobe, you know, like it took Kobe a while 
to really figure out how do you go about leading in a way other than just purely by example? Like, how do you go about leading guys in ways that reach them as people? How do you, and, how do you lead them rather than pull them along? Exactly. And, and, and you know, but there's a little bit of a, a Kyle Lowry vibe to, to Jimmy Butler too. Absolutely. Like, you know, it took Kyle Lowry a while and now, you know, we look at him now and he's one of the, you know, the great, he's going to, he's going to go to the hall of fame. He's one of the great leaders, great, just sort of a great story, a great story, but like a glue guy, like a, a genuine glue player for good teams. You know, he played early on, you he's know, a glue star, which yeah. is weird. And yeah, but it took him a while. It's he was yeah. not that guy in his first two or three or four years. We, we talked with him at length. I was going to say, we've talked with him at length, uh, with, with Kyle Lowry about this and he'll be the first to admit Absolutely. early on. He wasn't ready. He's a pain in the ass. Yes. Um, and so it's just the what one of the things that makes sports fascinating is guys can be bad messengers for the correct message. Chicago can be a dumpster fire in terms of culture. Minnesota can be a dumpster fire in terms of culture. You know, Butler is not the first person to point out that as talented as Embiid and Ben Simmons are. There are aspects of their personality, the way they approach the game, the way that, that are not what you need out of your your true franchise guys. Like you know, Embiid, I love Joel Embiid. I mean, I, I love watching the guy play. I think I just, I just think he's a great personality. Like, there are aspects about how he approaches stuff that just aren't serious enough. Like he, you know, how he conditions about all the talks a lot about doing the stuff and isn't quite as good yet at doing the actual stuff. Um, and I think for somebody like for like somebody like Jimmy, that just becomes tiresome, you know, up to a point. That, but that doesn't mean he's handling it right. But then you get to a place like Miami, where none of those things are ever a problem, ever. Even if there's the talent may not be there, but like the ethic always is in, with Spo and all, and it just it's perfect. Like if he'd played his entire career in Miami, we'd have a completely different conception of who Jimmy Butler is. Well, I mean, that, that's in part why Dion Waiters, it being such a disaster that last year at the Heat, was so noteworthy. It's not just because some of these stories were very Dion Waitersy and, you know, like the edibles, the jokes write right. themselves. It's because it was happening with the Miami Heat. And, and that's the type of organization that stuff like that you just don't expect to happen with. It, it's like... When when the Lakers, Leonard, the Lakers for a while were a team where you had those sorts of expectations, and when players couldn't or wouldn't fit in or didn't work out in the way you would expect, I mean that's part of the reason the Dwight thing was so jarring, is because it like it didn't wait. Why is of course the 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 stars come and they, they the the Lakers culture and the winning and all that it molds people and it didn't work, and that's yeah. part of the reason the whole thing was so jarring. Yeah, but I mean th this. This year has been really, if you're somebody that enjoys basketball, if you're somebody that enjoys stories, and also if you're somebody who enjoys, like Jimmy Butler to me plays, I, I tweeted this out, he reminds me of a more energetic and engaged James Harden because they've got similarities to their game, but I find Butler's so much more enjoyable to watch. I think in part because he's so invested in all elements of the game and mm -hmm. plays so damn hard on both sides of the ball, and he's so much more engaged as a leader. Like, like James Harden, as great as he is, I've never bought into him as a leader. Just And, you know, I, I preface this by saying a lot of this is from a distance. You know, I've talked to 
couple people around the Rockets, but right, you know, we, don't, we're not, is, we don't, we're not there day to day. We don't right, cover the Rockets. Right. A lot of this is, you know, my own perception combined with talking to a couple people, but James Harden seems so aloof as a player, as a personality, and it feels like as a leader. And Jimmy Butler isn't like that. Even when he goes overboard, even when at times he's been too much or maybe not even the guy, not even at the level that he pictures himself at, you can never accuse him of not being engaged. Like even if he's doing the wrong stuff, he's doing the wrong stuff at 100%. And it's... I think this is actually a great way of putting it uh, from the kid, Jimmy, the decaf version of Russell Westbrook. I can sort of see that, yeah, uh, although although uh, he's caffeinated. Oh, he yeah. He coffee. 20 bucks, a, 20 bucks a pop. But it's just been really fun to watch. It, yeah. It's been um, really enjoyable. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, before we get going here, let's talk a little bit about um, if you were to worry about the Lakers, if you were to come up with scenarios where – what would they be? I mean, there's always the obvious if you, you know, you don't win tonight's game, you don't win Sunday night, you have a chance to go up 3-0, you come back Tuesday for game four, LeBron, you know, twists a knee or twists a knee. Like somebody could get hurt. The more you have to that's, play, the more you, that's why LeBron said in closeout games, I am as desperate to close them out as they are to keep the series going because I don't want to keep playing games. It's bad. Um, the other thing I think you look at it, Danny Green's health is clearly a problem. Um, you know, yes. that's part of the reason J.R. Smith played at all on Sunday, and nobody wants that. Um, <laughs> except J.R. Except J.R., but nobody else wants that. And Casey talk quickly had another about bad that? night from the floor. Can we talk quickly just with J.R.? That we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to it. Okay. Um, I just want to finish this thought. Those guys together in the last two games are 4 of 26 from three-point range. That is not going to do it. And if Danny, if Green who look like a genuine old person tonight. And, you know, when your hip hurts, that's what you look like. Trust me, I know. Um, that if, the, if KCP's not shooting the ball well and Danny Green can't really play or is, is, is just kind of immobile um, through no fault of his own, they don't have a lot of all, other alternative. It's not like they've got other dudes that they can go to. So, you know, if you're looking for reasons to worry, if those guys don't get better... They don't have a lot of alternatives. They win. They probably win anyway, and they should win anyway. But that's something maybe to worry about. Yeah, I mean, injury is the biggest reason that I that I'm disappointed by the Lakers. I feel like if nothing else, not approaching this game the way they should have, and I think you can make a good case, crapped it away. It's not that I'm worried about you know giving Miami confidence or you know second life or anything. This team is wired to be confident. You can see from the way they've approach this game you can see from the way they've approached this they're whole not a, series. they're not a flip the switch team they're not a complacent team and well but they're also they're not afraid like they're Are going you talking to about go, miami or the lakers yeah, i'm talking about miami oh i I'm thought saying, i thought you meant the lakers i was like no 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 yeah i i meant in term i meant in terms of things that would make me worry i'm not worried about giving miami life or more confidence or anything like that no they're right. gonna be, I you mean. yeah they're gonna be confident no matter what correct i'm worried that the longer you stretch this out the more you have the odds of somebody like anthony davis or lebron ending up the lakers version of Dragic or bam where mm -hmm. they're hurt and then all of a sudden you have to contend with that and then maybe you have to contend with that as bam actually comes back that issue of KCP just in a brutal slump and Danny Green in a brutal slump on top of clearly not being physically right. 
I'm not as worried about KCP just because I think what he typically brings, if not necessarily tonight, defensively is so important and useful. And usually when the Lakers are in transition, KCP is a big part of that. So I think he can find ways to make this work, even if his shot isn't falling. And, you know, KCP's streaky, which means the next game he could be four of six from behind the arc. I mean, right. it just it can happen. Danny, though, is a health issue. And they may have to consider other options, you know, whether that means actually giving Talon Horton Tucker, you know, those five minutes that went to JR or eight minutes, something like that, uh, going with a shorter rotation that just basically you try to offset Danny's presence you're along the really way. At that point, you're just playing because Green played. I think they're like you're saying, like the, the worry is that the 17 minutes that Green played tonight have to go down to either, you know, 10 minutes or zero. Like, I mean, right. if he reaches a point where he can't play more than 10 minutes, he probably can't play at all. Right. And so now you're either you're pulling him for the lineup entirely. Dwight Howard's only getting 15 to 20 minutes a game at the most just because of the way the series works and, and the matchups. So now you're really talking about if Green can't play, what amounts to a seven and a half person rotation, which is not at all how the Lakers have played all year. No, and it's not the way Frank Vogel wants to play. But you know, Dion Waiters, I assume, still isn't healthy because he hasn't been active for these games. I don't believe um, Tht has not played at all. Jr. in the minutes that he's been out there has not looked good. He's plus one tonight. What are you talking about? Oh my god, that. That corner three that he so desperately pushed himself towards to close the half. What are you what are you complaining about? See, this drives me nuts. Everybody's like, you know, look at the analytics, look at the stuff. What are the best shots in basketball? What is it, Andy? It's the corner three, damn it. And so JR knows that, and he is aggressively seeking out the best shot on the floor. It is true. I've, I've always referred to uh, J.R. Smith as an analytics wonk. So, That's I mean, exactly that, right. that does make sense. I mean, he, it, nobody digs more into those stats. Nobody is more of like a Hollinger uh, enthusiast than J.R. Smith. So, I, I guess I, I maybe I am being a little too hard on him. He's just, he's really right playing are. those, he's really playing those advanced numbers. Uh, that was, yeah, ama I, that was amazing. Are, but I, mean, I think the point is like, if you see J.R. on the floor, it's, it, it is, it gets to some of the issues that we had talked about earlier in, in, you know, heading in the bubble and as the playoffs were beginning, like the Lakers do have limits to their depth. Like if they don't have a lot of plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, particularly it's, along the wings, right? It's LeBron and AD play really well. You get enough from the other guys. And obviously it has worked really well, even with, Sunday's loss, they are now 14 and four in the NBA playoffs. That's really good. Um, I think at some point they're going to end up 16 and something. Um, and it that's obviously as good as you as you can get. But you know, on nights where it doesn't work, and AD was a minus 26, I think, tonight in 33 minutes, which is jarring to look at. Uh 33 yes. minutes, 26. Yeah, minus 26. Like they're not going to win, and you know, you then it's on those nights that you start to look around. And you see Danny Green didn't shoot well, and KCP didn't play well, and you ignore. I mean, Markeith Morris was had a really good game, five of eleven, three point range, six rebounds, plus ten. He was nineteen points. Kuz, I thought was fine. He was hardly the problem. The bench gave him plenty. Tonight. No, actually, I thought Kuz played well. Right. It's like you know, you got 
40 points from LeBron and AD. That is not enough. That is not going to be enough uh, no, the way I, that this team is constructed. I remember, I think it was the 2010 series, or 2002 series um, that season. And it was one of those rare times where Kobe and Shaq were on the same page. And the page they were on was the rest of you guys aren't doing enough. And I think it was Brian Shaw said something like, well, we're expected to get about 100 points a night. And all of us combined have the opportunity to put up about 40. So the rest of it's up to you. <laughs> like, you know, basically this, this is the setup you guys want. Yes, so we're, you guys have to put in about 30 each because the rest of us combined can't do much more than about 40. Realistically speaking, you're like, exactly, this, like tonight, you're not going to get much more like the Lakers, you know, the bench, you know, some of those shots come late and Kuz hit a late three and whatever. But like those guys took you, Markeith Morris. And I don't know how many more games you're going to get where Morris and Kuzma combined to take 26 shots. Like that's not normal. And it's only because AD took nine. Yeah. By the way, I uh, just want to say Markeith Morris has been really good these last couple series. I mean, like he doesn't get as much attention because everyone focuses naturally on LeBron and AD first and then playoff Rondo. And then, you know, what's Kuzma been doing and, you know, Caruso, the internet hero, the goat, but low key Morris has been really good. Like he's yeah. really been a solid role player. Like Which he's been, he wasn't good when they got him. No, no, he wasn't. And I think some of that may have just been, you know, he'd barely been with the team. But he these last couple rounds in particular, he's been very good. Um, somebody uh, in this record, it gets to what we were talking about before. Um, sorry, I'm on the wrong screen. Uh, asking, trying to put up a chat on the wrong screen. Is Dion this from Roberto Jones? Is Dion Waiters out for the series? And medically, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, in terms of coaching trust, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, in, in, but I'm guessing the answer is yes to both <laughs> is out for the series. And that gets what we were talking about before. There aren't a lot of alternatives out there. I don't want them throwing Dion waiters out after not playing. That is a truly break glass in case of emergency sort of option. Well, um, I mean, he, he hasn't been active. Right. <laughs> like, and so, so where the Lakers, out. where the Lakers need to be better on a night like tonight, uh, you know, in game three where they're not functioning offensively so you just have to be tighter defensively Miami did some stuff tonight that got them a little bit confused they gave up too many easy shots like you know backdoor cuts and you know drives down the lane where, where the rotation slip screen just, action that they weren't yeah, covering just, they just were they were a step slow on everything that Miami was doing on both sides of the floor I suspect they will not be a step slow on on Tuesday I think I don't I would expect them to come out on Tuesday and win I mean I are they going to run Miami off the floor Probably not. It's not supposed to be that easy. Uh, but I think they'll win, and I think they'll win the series in either five or six games. Um, it just looked like they had a chance to do it in the most simple and clean and dominating way possible where you don't ever allow the opponent an opportunity to think they have a chance to win the series. They obviously didn't take advantage of that tonight. And so in doing so, there's danger. It's a low-level danger, I think, but it's still there. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like probabilities. If if a there's a twenty percent chance of something happening, obviously the other eighty percent is a larger. Uh, it's a better larger, bet. But right. you know, pitchers get hits. 
Like that's exactly. essentially what we're talking about sometimes. Like, you know, 220 percent doesn't sound, but like it's not you don't sit there and go, oh my God, you know, Clayton Kershaw got a hit. He's like a 200 hitter. Well, I mean, look, if you were told this activity has a 20% chance of killing you, but an 80% chance to net you $10 million. You might choose to go after the $10 million, but that 20% is going to make you think. There's a 0% chance I would do it. Sure. But I'm just saying, I mean, there, there are plenty of people who would say, screw it. I'm going to take the four out of five chance. But yeah, you're still you're, right. you're still going to think it over, if nothing else. Uh, Lisa Y16 asks, you think AD and LeBron were okay tonight? LeBron left the court without waiting for AD like he usually does. Yeah, uh, he, I think apparently LeBron walked off the court like 10 minutes before the 10 seconds before the game was actually over. <laughs> 10 minutes would be a big deal. Oh, you shouldn't leave. And this happens. This is not an uncommon thing where the star, the, the player will walk. A, it's not like they were in a, you know, not like the last possession was like meaningful. <laughs> they were down. They were down at that point with 10 seconds left. They were not going to come back and win. They were 11 points down. But when a player leaves the floor early, everybody notices and makes a big deal out of Bill Plaschke asked him about it a couple, you know, it kind of came up. They're fine. AD and LeBron are fine. LeBron was visibly frustrated at how he was playing, how the team was playing, and he walked off the floor 10 seconds before it was over. Um, I don't think it's anything. He did stop, if it makes people feel better. He did stop to make sure that the Lakers did have five players on the court before he finally walked off. Like, oh, he did? He did. Well, yeah, he he double checked. He's about halfway through the hallway. And I, I could see he was looking back. And then he's like, "Okay, they they subbed in someone for me. I'm going to keep going back to the locker room." But he did yeah. at least check. You know, um, yeah. I but, mean, I tell you, I I so didn't notice it. I thought he was still on the floor. I thought he was like one of the five guys on the floor and just walked off. That's no, what no, I thought happened. He no, they there had been like a stoppage. I mean, I, don't, I again, I I absolutely one hundred percent didn't notice because. They were down by 11 with 10 seconds left, and I would pretty much clocked out at that point. Yeah, I, um, I, full dis full disclosure, I had to try to time walking the dog with getting back to prep for this. So, you know, I was also preoccupied during that moment. You have to jump at these uh, opportunities while you can. It's dark out. I'm not going to let my wife walk the walk the dog while it's out dark. Look at it's you. one of the rules. Yes, I'm very protective. Um, um, plus, people yeah, don't so mess with me. I, 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 they're fine. Don't worry about that. Uh, um, the, the kid uh, from NYC, Cam Brothers, promise if Jared Dudley scores 30 points the next game, free delicious pizza for all their followers. Okay, I, we have – here's the thing. This Remember how you just talked about probabilities, Andy? Mm -hmm. Like, if you told me there's like a 1% chance of this, because there's no upside in here for me. It's not like I, you know, like we get – yeah, but you guys will get 50 grand, in which case I'd be like, okay, I would, I would make that trade. Um, we have like – what 47 50 000, i don't know like close to 50,000 twitter followers yeah um very pizza for all of them which are robots like these are actual real people <laughs> um yeah shout out to all of you and right i i don't think <laughs> shout i shout out to all I the non make, i cannot make that promise um you know who can is 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 mike ross who is you generally in the in the chat room somewhere so you guys can ask mike if we'll do <laughs> actually it. he is and this is his response easy brothers <laughs> <laughs> that is all right that so is no but you still can get 20 percent off if you use cam brothers as a password to both locations hollywood and west adams we saw tonight Somebody tweeted out like they the Lakers made a run as soon as the delicious pizza arrived. Yes, uh, for I forget who it was, and it looked spectacular. Yes, they it did. apparently needed to order more. 
Yeah. Because it didn't last. But uh, don't blame the pizza. It wasn't the pizza's fault. No. Again, uh, 20% off. Two locations. Hollywood, West Adams. You are supporting, as we have always said, a massive Laker fan. He's in the damn chat right now. That's like, right. He clearly is a Laker he fan. He's on waiters on the floor. So, he is here among us. You, uh, any any final thoughts? Anything you're thinking about going into game four? Uh, I do want to bring up before we go <laughs> this petition. That is oh, right. petition? <laughs> there is a petition that some Laker fan, uh, Don Stinson, started. Uh, I guess maybe with other people, but that Kyle Kuzma should not get a ring if the Lakers end up winning. The finals, I, I suppose this guy is just upset with Kuzma's play, doesn't think he's done enough throughout the, certainly the finals, if not the entire playoffs, and doesn't want Kuzma to get a ring. Uh, at the latest count, 8,034 people have signed this petition. God. They're trying to get it to 10,000. On a related note, 8,034 people are dumbasses. I'm just going <laughs> to say that right now. Dumbasses. Hey, fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> like, seriously. What's wrong with you? Like, that is... Oh, God. The hell's wrong with you? Like, of course... A, of course he's getting a ring. Like, there, there's a better chance Troy Daniels is going to get a ring than Kuzma won't get a ring. <laughs> but, like, seriously, like, this is why we can't have nice things. Um, also too, what I do find very funny though, um, about this petition is that, that change.org, which is usually, it's usually reserved for important things. For more, well, this is, you know, who gets a ring is important. Uh, I, Kuz was asked about it tonight. I hadn't looked, I didn't, I had no idea this was a thing until Kuz was asked about it. And his response was, I don't give a fuck, yeah. <laughs> which by the way is, is 100% the correct answer. As he said, I dyed my hair blonde earlier this year. You think I care what people, what people think, which probably by the way, is one of the reasons this guy started the petition. Uh, right, but that's I just mean, stupid. As you said while we were talking about this before the show, Troy Daniels has a better chance of getting a ring with the Lakers than um, Kuz has of not getting one. Yes, I mean, of course, it like that's just dumb. I, I mean, you might. Well, why are you yelling? Why are you picking on Kyle Kuzma tonight? Well, I mean, this is one of his better games in the in, in the in the in the postseason. This petition was actually started before tonight, so maybe there will be a petition by this same guy to get people to unsign his current petition. petition. Yeah, this is why I don't sign petitions. <laughs> this is this Honestly, is why I, I I don't like if you find I am not a I am. I, I, if you ask me to, to support your charity and I see you on the street, if you ask me to sign your petition, my answer is always going to be, give me some information. I'll go home and look it up because I'm not just signing your petition on the street because your petition might be really stupid like this one. And then my name is on it. Like, and you might describe it in a way that makes it sound totally honorable and really legit. And then I get home oh. and it's like, I signed the, you know, Kyle Kuzman doesn't get a ring petition. Well, I can tell <laughs> you right now. Equivalent thereof. This one, this one is not worded in a way that you would find persuasive. No, no, I well, now that I've read it. Um, all right, so game four <laughs> is Tuesday. Always read shit before you sign it, people. Just yes, don't, it's read yes. stuff. Remember, uh, the internet's forever, they'll find you on this thing. Yeah, read things. Um, so, uh, game four is on Tuesday. 
Uh, neither Kamenetsky brother is particularly concerned about this series. Having you lose Tuesday, you got a problem. But you know, they say, Andy, the series doesn't start until you win on the other team's home floor. And so neither team has done that yet. No. Um, so the series technically hasn't started yet. Yes. Although I uh, believe it has. <laughs> yes, it is 100% started. Otherwise, what the hell are we doing? Um, uh, no, I, I'm not. Or I hate that expression. Yeah, I'm not terribly worried about any of this. Like I said, I, I look at it more as a squandered opportunity than something to particularly worry about. But you know what? Weird things can happen. Right. That's they, why they, they, they raise their percentage chance of losing this series from like 10% to 20% tonight. And that's still pretty low odds they're going to lose it, but it's higher than it was. And so it's important they go out and win game three, or game four. And that yeah. that is a legit thing. Don't don't be don't be doing stuff that's going to 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 extend this series to let even more weird things happen. Go out and win game four. Then if you lose game five, fine. But like take that three one lead. Right. Um, and then uh, right. before before we go, I just wanted to throw out a couple stats just to really give people an idea of what Jimmy Butler did. Just to really drive this home, uh, per the NBA, Jimmy Butler is the third player to record a 40-point triple-double in a finals game, joining LeBron and Jerry West. He's the first player with a 40-point finals game without attempting a three since Shaq in 2002. That, that was cool that. Yeah, the zero, the zero three thing. Yeah, it's happened five times with Shaq, once with Kareem, and now Jimmy Butler. So again, like really, I don't care how die hard a Laker fan you are, you got to really give Jimmy Butler his props tonight because yeah, he played was, his it was, ass it was off. an iconic level performance that he totally deserved and I'm glad he had. Yeah, oh, wow. I didn't even notice this. Oh, Jimmy had no fouls. I wow. did not notice that. That's, wow. It's right up there with what LeBron did in game two where it's like, you know, he did all of those things without a turnover. You know, that yeah. incredible game without a turnover. So, um lakers lead 2-1 we will be back on tuesday night with our you know typical late night happy hour show um guest on tuesday though is harrison sanford yes who's join us for at least part of the show so we'll be wire to wire basketball on tuesday he's the co-host of late night happy hour is gonna be josiah johnson so that's tomorrow will be a super fun show we've got a great slate of guests this week all week on the late night happy hour wednesday night steve mason thursday is uh uh big waz waz yeah and Friday, Clinton Yates is uh, hopefully going to be able to join us. So it's going to be a great week on the Late Night Happy Hour. Go to Delicious Pizza, two locations, uh, West Adams and Hollywood. Tell them the Cam Brothers sent you. We'll see everybody tomorrow night on Late Night Happy Hour. See ya.